Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. I have a couple of things to say at the top of this hour. Oh, this is uh, Pike the Black, <laughs> the only show on the internet where we talk about things like Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, the Star War, the peripheral, Avatar, and other sci-fi yes. fans, movies, TV stuff. Um, this one day, we will have a League of Imitators. Right now, we stand alone. I am Dan Selke, editor of WinnersComing.net, and this is Daniel Rowan, the other editor of WinnersComing.net. And I'd like to first apologize. Because yesterday, we tried to get a show for you. We couldn't get a show for you because the internet be tripping, which is what the kids are saying these days. And I'm sorry that we couldn't get it to not (laughs) trip. Um, I'm really sorry. The internet is bad sometimes. Sometimes it does things. You don't don't want to do it, but you can't predict how it works. And we just couldn't get it working. And we're sorry. But we're here now. We're going to have such a great time together. Daniel, hope we have such a great time together. That's true. We we always do have such a great time together. Uh, I, I was sad so. that we, you know, I was sad to miss you guys out there yesterday, but I'm glad that we're here today and appreciates that you showed up to hear the very exciting news we have, uh, mm. which I guess <laughs> because Richard let us know people were talking about this before we went live. We should probably just preface by saying the winds of winter is not done. If that's the update you're hoping for, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but not as sorry as George R. R. Martin. Uh, yes. But there I'm was sorry, some news uh, on that front. Big champ. If that was what you were looking for. Hello to our viewers on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, it's not quite that, yeah. but it's not bad. Hello, Hanan. Hello, Big Champ. Hello, Martha. Hello, Zach. Hello, everybody. Daniel, why don't you get into it? What is the Winds of Winter update that falls short uh, of the book is coming out? Yeah. Uh, so George R. R. Martin appeared on Stephen Colbert's Tuning Out the News, which I didn't know about this show. I've never heard of this. Uh, app- me neither. Apparently, it is a show that I guess Stephen Colbert started where a cartoon host uh talks to a real person and either roasts them or roasts the news. Uh, so basically, uh, George R. R. Martin was on there being roasted by the animated host, Dr. Ike Bloom. Uh, and he called James Dr. Patterson the prolific... Yeah, uh, he is the voiced... The faker. I don't remember. The cheater. James Patterson. Okay, go on. Ooh, ooh, shots fired. Yeah, James Patterson. Opinions differ. Uh, I... Don't love, don't hate. Um, but yeah, so James Patterson, he's the, the number one best-selling writer in the world uh, because he puts out a ton of books. And this cartoon avatar called up James Patterson to have him give some tough love advice to George R. R. Martin. Struggling writer George R. Martin, yeah. Yes, struggling writer, uh, truly true. pathetic writer, George R. R. Martin, who's having trouble meeting deadlines. Um so it was a lot of fun. You can find it on YouTube if you haven't seen it. The Winds of Winter update that came out of it is that George basically said he has written 
1,100 or 1,200 pages for the Winds of Winter. James Patterson asks, how much do you have done? Ah, well, 1,100 or 1,200 pages, (laughs) but still got another 400 or 500 to go before it's done. So that's the news. Uh, Still still around 400, 500 pages to go in the the Winds of Winter, Uh, and it's 1,100 or 1,200 pages. So, Which is too much for a book, by the way. Just... Yes, I don't know. I was just going to ask your opinion on that. A book that is that big, and if you did, it would need like an entire shelf of the bookstore just for itself, which they would give it because the book is that big. Um, well, it's also important. So these are uh, it. It's always important to keep in mind with page counts like this coming from an author. These are manuscript pages. Mm -hmm. It's not the same length as once it's printed. So. Yes, in the biz enough to know that it's not it, twelve hundred pages of him writing the manuscript is mm-hmm. not the same as twelve hundred pages in a bound book. Why? Because um, it's because it gets edited, or is it just because he's like triple spacing or something, and then he's going they're going to get like no. get it compressed? Yep, because manuscript format is double spaced, uh, usually like twelve point font. So once they bring it to the printer, Smart. it gets single spaced. It gets formatted differently. Um, with these big epic fantasies, a lot of times they'll lower the font just a little bit to make sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get more findable, words per, like you per, said per sentence. Yeah, you saw that with the Wheel of Time. They did that because uh, some of those books are huge, and like Sanderson is is doing the same thing where his books are like. Uh, 400,000 words. They're longer than than a normal book, but they still bind it as one book. In the you US, know what's not happening? They, editing. What? Do you think anybody None of is that. going to edit him at this point? Now, a single person would dare take out anything that he loves. I mean, he has an editor. The question is, how how much are they going to fight him on stuff? And that I don't know. Uh, Nada. Yeah, so that's what's up with the Winds of Winter. Nada. Um... Do, Do we you want to think any other... the Winds of Winter could yeah. come out next year? Because he's been talking about it a no. lot more. Do, no, just no. Probably no. <sighs> well, he's talking about it. It, it would just hard. be so nice for us, you know? It would be so nice for us to <laughs> yes, cover House of us. the Dragon, have House of the Dragon gap year, but have Winds of the Winter happen, and then go back to House of the Dragon the next yes. year. That would be so perfect for our I'm gonna say a thing. website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna say a thing that might might get me hated, but I'm gonna do it. I think okay. it's more likely the Winds of Winter will come out in 2025 than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's my between seasons two and three, or it'll come out in 2024, but it's definitely not coming next year because so he's gotta write 400 and 500 more pages, and then it's gotta go through like the production cycle for publishing and get printed and stuff. That's yeah, not right. And, so Dan, it, usually that's like a year or two lead time. Dance with Dragons, they turned around and I think it was like eight months. It was like an expedited publishing schedule because sure. they had just been waiting for it for six years and knew it would sell hot, like hotcakes. So hot they cakes. could maybe do that. I'm sure they would do the same thing with Winds of Winter, but that would mean he'd have to have the book done by may in order to have i'm it sure out they do more Christmas, like at dance least. of dragons was like a big name book but game of thrones wasn't even on when it came out like i'm sure that after everything penguin would just we're not publishing anything except this this year see if we can do this in yeah. a few months but that's not the point uh he'll write it four to five what is the, left what is the point dan the point is that this man has long since ago for uh, just forgotten to pare down things and um i i'm prepared for there to be a lot of chapters that don't really need to be there but it'll happen when it happens blah 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 blah, blah. yeah i'm gonna go ahead and make I, it my new year's resolution for the winds of winter to come out in 2023 i'll do that that is that is very thoughtful of you for the mm-hmm. rest of us I, to make that your resolution yeah um yeah the thing i'm most curious about coming out of that is is it going to get split? Um, that jokingly was James Patterson's suggestion, split it into three or four books, and then you can put one out a year and everyone's happy, I'm which happy is before. what he would do. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah i'm curious because like in the uk they don't bind books that large either like brandon sanderson books are two books um because the uk is smaller and they can't fit that much book into that landmass right that's definitely the that is absolutely the reason yes cool (laughs) i think there are only so many physical printer like print locations that can make Mm -hmm. books of that size i think is more what that has to do with and just standards uh but yeah so that's what's up with the winds of winter do we want to hit any other house of the dragon news there's a couple of exciting Um, things we got matt smith and Uh, millie alcock nominated for best supporting actor and actress for house of the dragon the critics choice awards which is nice, yep. but I do think it's crazy that Patty Constant, like King Viserys, one Targaryen, wasn't nominated for Best Actor. Crazy. Um, and I Emma agree. Darcy, honestly, I don't know what category they would have been nominated in. Probably Actress, Best Actress. I could guess like I might be able to understand that because they were only in half the season, but also that's another stuff. But mainly I'm mad about Patty Considine because he gave a really good performance and I don't know why he couldn't have made it on that list. Yeah. Um. And this is his year, right? Like it's his year. Emma will have other years. Like Emma will have other years, probably with crazier material or as crazy. But this was Patty's year. Like his one year on the show. I hope he gets. He better get the Emmy nom. Um, I was sad about this because you know Patty Considine getting stumped. But I'm hopeful for future future yeah i mean the critics choice awards like we're critics we know how useless we are so the good stuff is like the (laughs) emmys and a couple of maybe like a golden globe if you really want to go slumming but um hopefully he gets an emmy nomination and uh i'd be love to see matt smith and um emma darcy up there too and and good for millie alcock because i didn't really I, i wasn't sure she would be on there but cool to see her getting her flowers as they say uh but Emma Darcy did receive the IMDb's Breakout Star Meter Award, which is nice. Yeah. Must, which I, I guess think, is... I think it's, I think it's it like a means, physical award. I think so, too. And I think it means they were the most searched person for yes. the most amount of months of 2022. Dem Negronis. Get people to click on them, yeah. <laughs> Dem Negronis. Millie Alcock was up there, too. I think yeah, she was true. like the second or third on that list. Um but there's also a it's I hesitate to say rumor. I don't know that it really is a rumor. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we know this for a fact. The production on House of the Dragon season two is starting in March of 2023. Um, yeah, it's early next year. I think year. they're starting. Yeah, they're shooting in Spain. I think that, that starts in March. Um, so yeah, that that's happening. That's good news. We it may is. not have the winds of winter, but at least there will be House of the Dragon. No, Season one two. man can't um, write his imagination onto a page, but like several hundred electricians, uh, production assistants, um, lighting rig operators, actors, directors, producers, location scouts, casting agents can come together and make this incredibly complex season of TV happen early next year. Yes. George R. R. Martin, though, that is going to take a little while. That math checks out. Um, let me let me ask you, and this is going to be a speculation thing here, just for a sec, because Martha asked this, and I'm curious what your thoughts oh, are. Uh, Martha says, "What do you think <laughs> his problem has been? Inspiration? Um, oh, I think I, do you, I I have a pretty like certain answer for that, but we talked about it before. Yeah. Like, I'm um, he he, yeah. he 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 he's just the kind of writer who just." He writes things, and then he goes and revises things. He yep. he waits for inspiration to strike. He doesn't just like write to write. Um, unless he loves what he does, he doesn't write it down. Which, in, on one level, I admire it. I honestly, on one level, I do. I do respect yeah. him as an artist. I do yeah. honestly respect that he wants quality. That's really and truly how I feel. Um, yes. The flip side, of course, Same. is that it produces this eternal weight. And I think it can kind of um, make him prone to indulgence because like I mm. I have confidence that he publishes what he loves. I'm not sure he's thinking much about what what other people might love all the time. Um, 
So I think there are pros and cons to his process, but I respect it. I think I said this before, like, yeah, I he he's taken forever. I do honestly think he spent the past 11 years writing after his fashion. I'm not sure like Patrick Rothfuss yes. has written more than three sentences. Yeah, I, I that's an in, it's an interesting thing to bring up because Rothfuss has been pretty open about having uh, like familial issues and yeah, depression yeah, and things that have kept him from writing. And Martin, it, he is right. Like you said, he's been writing. He is a perfectionist. Rothfuss has that, too. They, they are very similar in this way. They've both talked about it in terms of revising things a million times to get it to be the perfect right. thing they want it to be. The pros to um, sing. And that is a huge difference. Yeah, getting the pros to sing. And, and that James is a huge Patterson. difference from someone like a James Patterson or Brandon Sanderson who does like five edits on his book and then it's done and he sends it out and doesn't want to look at it again. I really got to um, read a Brandon so, Sanderson thing to see what all of us is about. James Patterson, correct me if I'm wrong, worth it doesn't he just like yes. put his name onto books that aren't written by him it's like james pat it's like um you know murder so foul a james patterson book by quigley <laughs> lately or something yes uh there's been a little bit of controversy surrounding that uh so james patterson he does still write it's not like mm -hmm. he's not writing at all but he puts out so many books, like enough books that. So when I worked at a bookstore, there was like James Patterson Tuesday. And it was a thing that happened every month where we could count on there being a <laughs> new James Patterson book. Um, so yes, yes is the short answer to that. He uses a, a stable of co-authors who he kind of like grooms and trains to be up and coming authors and he gets them to write books sure. for him but he oversees the process and thus his name goes up in the very large letters on the book i mean i don't so, begrudge him. It, 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 it's opinions. a very different approach like he's he's a franchise yes, and george R. R. Martin is an is an author he, i mean and he's an author too but he's also a, fr a franchise yeah, I wonder if what well, he does that's is the like, said, like, like I have an idea. What if a man killed a person? Like, I'm a co-author. Go ahead and yes. write that idea. I feel like you see that with Sanderson too. So, like Sanderson oh, will yeah? refer to himself in in third person sometimes when he's talking mm. about his business. Like, we're putting out a Brandon uh, Sanderson book this month. Sure. George R. R. Martin doesn't do that. Um, yeah, he he very much school. gives off the vibe of being an old school person. Often they're cabin just trying to make the really perfect piece of art to make and he's art at the, happen in the yeah and he's at the end of his career like really like sure. he's old yeah. like most of do. his career yeah. is behind him so he's kind of trying to polish that perfect gem as the last large project of his life is my impression on why it's taken so long oh yeah i, I understand right. again we talked about that a lot i like to make fun making fun is fun but at, 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 at the end of the day i do get it and it's it's all good like coming from Camilla, who yeah. who is ooh oh, we should mention that um, uh, why finish the books while the show is out and everyone is watching it, and what he can leave us all wanting for the actual canonical ending to make sure it has a proper audience. I honestly don't think that's it, Camilla. I honestly don't. I just after covering him for so long, I don't I think it's how his brain agree. works. He is on just like a different track. I don't. I don't think he even thinks about the show. It's my impression from having with him all these years. By the way, Camilla, I think he is would have going... loved to have gotten it out. Before, oh, he would have loved it. He would have loved to have gotten it out before the show ended and would probably yeah. be leading a much less stressful life. <laughs> yeah, for a couple of years. By the way, uh, Camilla Cervello uh, is going to the Game of Thrones official fan convention, um, which is going to happen tomorrow through Saturday and Sunday. This big official Game of Thrones fan convention where they're going to have Kit Harrington, going to have Patty Considine, I think. Camilla, you probably know better than I do exactly who's going to be there. But very exciting. I'm sure there'll be some announcements. Probably, yeah. right? So yeah, very, very cool. And Camilla, thanks for covering that for us. I'm looking I forward so. to uh, pay attention to the Wick Twitter at Wicknet for all of the updates. And yes. of course, the winners coming out on that homepage for all kinds of as they come in info. <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's i guess that pretty much wraps up the game of thrones news does it right does it yeah, i think it, I think it so. pretty yeah. much does yeah um yeah. so onward to your other favorite topic 
I like it. Avatar The Way of Water is uh, coming out next week. And the first impressions are rolling in. Uh, The film had its London world premiere on Tuesday of this week, which means finally it was a blue carpet. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, this means critics have seen it and they're pretty happy about it, which I feel like should come as a surprise to no one, but maybe I'm in yeah. the minority here of just being like, Rhapsodic. obviously Avatar is going to be great. Um, um, can I poop on the party right now or should I wait until we go through it. some of the react? Okay. I- I'm just going to say around. that when they have these big premieres and the critics go and they watch a new thing, like I remember the oh, reactions sure. for Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. I remember the reactions for Thor love and thunder and like, look, they were rhapsodic too. Like, I just, yeah, no one that goes to these premieres comes out and says like, that was a crock of crap because they know they're not going to come back. <laughs> um, like, it, yeah. it, it just never happens. So I'm, I'm looking for, I truly am looking forward to the movie. I'm going to see it. <laughs> Probably not in 3D. I'll be honest about that. If my local theater Sorry, has to do mistakes. it, if not, it's fine. Oh, my God. Let's get into this. Fine. You know what? To spite you, I'm going to watch it on an Apple Watch. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going through fine. a tunnel on a train. Um, I'm just saying <laughs> I I wouldn't just jump to the conclusion that these first newborn impressions are definitely an accurately a representation of whether the movie is good or not. Yeah. I, I think that is... A- a very Ooh. fair outlook because you're right. Like no one ever comes out of the premieres and is like, man, that thing sucked. Um, you you <laughs> be really don't I'll see do it. that. Invite me. <laughs> um, I don't care if I love yeah, it. I'll so say it sucked. I, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, that is fair. Um, I do think I, I've been a little surprised by how many people have compared it to the first movie being like, it was better than well, the first one. And it's that's, that's like a decade old, like, I, I don't know. Sure. I, I guess I kind of just assumed it would be at least as good. Um, because if you spend, you know, a decade making a sequel and it is not as good as the first one, what was it all for? Um, I mean, most sequels are as good as the first so, one, but James Cameron sequels are are always better than the first one. So, yeah. So we've got stuff from like uh, Fandango's Eric Davis said Avatar The Way of Water is phenomenal. It's bigger, better, and more emotional than Avatar. Phenomenal. The film is visually breathtaking, visceral, and incredibly engrossing. The story, the spectacle, the spirituality, the beauty. This is movie making and storytelling at its absolute finest. Um, Josh Horowitz, host of the Happy Sad Confused podcast, says James Cameron once again shows filmmakers how it's done. I've said it a thousand times, never doubt him, which I agree with him. Don't doubt James Cameron. He's proved that. I've never doubted James Cameron. That's true. You haven't. Um, Avatar, the way of water is how you do epic blockbustering, emotional visceral. That's two viscerals now and as big as movies get. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Let's see. What else have we got from Ian Sandwell at Digital Spy? Unsurprisingly, Avatar The Way of Water is a visual masterpiece with rich use of 3D ah, and breathtaking vistas. It does. Here's our first critique. It does suffer from a thin story and too many characters to juggle. Yet James Cameron pulls it together for an extraordinary final act full of emotion and thrilling action. Um, this one might be my favorite. Honestly, when I was reading like the older, like first impressions from like, um, you know, the multiverse of madness and love and thunder, you can tell they like want to say more bad things, but they just don't. And that reminds me of those, the the, the critiques for those that were like, I could see that. Oh my God. Doctor two is so good. You know, it does have a problem with this, but mostly wow. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, the story is kind of thin, which is which, which I mean, it's kind of a big thing <laughs> for like anything. Yeah, but, um, uh, it doesn't pull together. I, anyway, go on. Yeah, I think so. All of the people commenting on the visuals and the visual masterpiece aspect of it, 
that to me is the no-brainer aspect of this where it's like james cameron has pushed been pushing the technology that it's like if it's anything less than a visual masterpiece i will be shocked um but yeah the cat i i've also seen a lot of people talk up the story so that is a big question mark i'm curious how how good the story should we cancel the the guy who tweeted that no, let's not. I think that would that would be preemptive. We should okay. use our com- okay, fine, compassion and better judgment here. Um, okay, last one. This one's my favorite from Matt okay. Ryan at Uprocks. Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, never bet against James Cameron. Trying to spare hyperbole, but yeah. I've never seen anything like this from a technical visual standpoint. Not it's once. overwhelming. Maybe too overwhelming. Sometimes I'd miss plot points because I'm staring at a Pandora fish. Which he got something to say, but he doesn't want to say it. That's what I'm getting from that. I think that's fun. I saw another one. I don't have it here, but it was like James Cameron understands something few filmmakers do: how rad glowing things are. Um, And those, I just think it those sorts of comments of being distracted by the scenery, I think are funny because they've obviously put Honestly? a lot of effort into the scenery. Oh yeah. Like I said, I, I I'd be shocked. If it wasn't beautiful. The more you read those, the more they're starting to sound like backhanded compliments to me. Like I missed plot points because I Ooh. couldn't stop looking at things. I don't know, man. Now I'm intrigued. I plan to see it. Though. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, the story's a little thin. Cool. <laughs> I just missed things, but it was so beautiful. I don't know. That last one yeah. felt like he had something to say, but he couldn't say it. I'm I'm interested. I will see it. Um, Nicole, by the way, predicts that people say it's good, but not great, which I can definitely see. First reviews. And Jay Patel says, is the story going to see people and fighting bad humans? I assume it will be. Hope it's more. Uh, and Nicole sounds yeah. like L-O-T-R. Good, sto- good visual, but thin story. Nicole. Nicole. Lo- the Lord of the Rings fired, story. Nicole. Oh. Let me get into why that is the thickest story in the past hundred years. Well, <laughs> past hundred years. I, I like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, or the show though. Yeah. yeah. I'm, oh, I agree with that one. Yeah. The, the show definitely. But yeah, when people about say Avatar, Lord of the Rings, I still think the movies, and I have to remember that there's a show. Oh, yeah. Probably isn't a great sign for the show. See, absolutely the same for me. I assumed Nicole was talking about the movies. Um, but yeah, very curious about Avatar. Uh, it comes out next week, December 16th. I'm going to, I will be seeing it early before our next podcast. So I might have some thoughts on that for next week. Um, shall we move on because yeah. into Is the drama section of today's show? Yeah, we got yeah. some drama. This is a drama channel um, now. We're going to talk about uh, will the Kardashians appear? You don't know, possibly. Um, what's happening in the drama sphere? Who's <laughs> dissing who? Who is beefing with whom? Um, and yes. who is currently beefing are James Gunn, who has been named the king of DC. Okay. James Gunn and Peter Safran are now in charge of the dc cinematic universe what's that co-kings yeah they're co-kings co-kings um yeah which is has ups and downs and the news is that they're canceling or at least that they're choosing not to go forward with the third wonder woman movie starring gal gadot daniel can i embarrass you right now please did you spell canceled wrong or is that an acceptable spelling with the two L's in some jurisdictions? <laughs> uh, we've been going back and forth on this. And we have, haven't we? We, didn't yeah. s- we have. So this is the British spelling for canceled. I believe, correct me out there, uh, any UK watchers, if I'm wrong. Um, British canceled has two L's. We decided to use that because we also do cancellation with two L's on the site which is the British spelling. So we can't have American canceled and British cancellation. They both need either two L's or one L. What do you think? Or Should we, can, we commenters? Could. Should we spell it yeah, with one L or two L's? spelling. But anyway, yeah. So they're not going forward with Wonder Woman 3, which was already like announced. Yeah. So, and they're going to say just, nah, not only my bag. They do not yeah. want uh henry cavill to return as superman they basically wanted to get rid of all the 
reportedly well i mean it's the hollywood reporter reportedly being so they're pretty clutch yeah um they don't want (laughs) jace momoa to play aquaman anymore like they don't want anybody from the old regime still around they do want him to play lobo though who is a superman villain i I remember from that old superman cartoon back in like oh is he a superman villain that's what he was in the cartoon i think it's like an anti-hero i'm all i know is that cartoon that was like Batman the Animated Series, and they had like an animated Superman thing that came along with it. Yeah. And Lobo, I, I remember him. He was like this. Um, Momoa's a good fit, honestly. Like this kind of like loud yeah. talking, brash, kind of like Hell's Angel, but space bounty hunter thing going on. But they want to stop playing Aquaman. They just want to get rid of everything, um, which is, I mean, that thing has been through so many flips and turns and turns upside down that he's the mm-hmm. EU at this point. I, um, I, it's it might be what I do. I mean, just how many times can you reboot a cinematic universe before people just write it off? Will they ever? Um, actually, I I'm fine with it. Uh, I just yeah. I just kind of look at it and just think it, it's 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 kind of like pity at this point. Like, oh, it's it, it's 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 being turned over again. Yeah. Um, God bless. Hope it works this time. Have a good time, dudes. Yeah. I mean, I feel a little bad for, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of shakeups. Um, <laughs> Wonder Woman three, Patty Jenkins had basically reportedly turned in her screen treatment for the movie. Um, and the Warner execs along with Gunn and Peter Safran kind of came back and were like, this doesn't really fit into the vision we have for where the dceu is going so we don't they have a vision they are supposed to present their vision in a presentation to david zaslav next Mm -hmm. week Um, apparently yeah apparently they've been like on a retreat uh in the southwestern united states uh just hiding away planning what dc will look like um Hot boxing it, in a lean-to in Arizona. Black, yes. Uh, so Black Adam is most likely not getting a sequel, is one of the things being reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio, one, because it hasn't broken even. Uh, I don't believe it's made a profit yet. Uh, so okay. they're kind of looking at it and thinking it probably won't make much of a profit. Um, and also, I guess, Dwayne Johnson's uh touting henry cavill's return and kind of making waves during the promotional tour didn't really endear him to warner brothers at least that's what the hollywood reporter is saying um so it is not looking likely that black adam is going to get a sequel and cavill's return is a big question um they apparently man of steel 2 was a thing that was being actively developed but since gun and saffron have taken over is maybe being pulled back maybe getting scrapped um so yeah a whole lot of question marks we should have a better idea of what's going on i hope oh, yeah. next week after this presentation um With some spy we're kind in of in a waiting game like it yeah um well, I mean, yeah we'll we'll talk to our sources over at warner brothers discovery i'm happy to know that's Tiffany right Zaslev, um and we can see if we get anything <laughs> from inside um yeah but it, so do you have like a do you have like a feeling about it or, or are you just with me where it's like kind of like watching the world's longest low speed car crash and just that. hoping they make it out of that one okay I, it's absolutely that so i like i like dc comics i've always been more of a marvel person um mm-hmm. so i'm not particularly like attached to what happens like batman is my favorite of the dc heroes and batman is the one character that's safe uh, because Matt Reeves did such a good job with the Batman that was basically like the last big hit that DC has had. So Mm -hmm. that is for now remaining untouched. They're still letting him do his spinoffs for HBO Max. He's still making the Batman too. Um, So yeah, I, I feel it's more like the premise, honestly, that makes me a little like... I don't even want to say sad. That feels disingenuous. Like, cause I don't really care about 95% of these movies. Like I saw black Adam and it was a decidedly okay movie. I did. And 
there were parts where it was fun. There were parts where I tuned out. Um, I thought the the plot, speaking of plots and movies, had surprisingly more legs than I expected it to. But it also was, uh, yeah, it, it was better than I expected. But the best part was the post credit scene where Henry Cavill showed up. Um, <laughs> and yes, Nicole, Henry Cavill left The Witcher to play Superman. Presumably. No, 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 no. And now I, he's, I don't presumably, think that's true. I mean, that was a fun line people were saying off because he left at the same time as it was announced he's coming back to Superman. But um, I mean, clearly he didn't leave for any plan they had because they don't have one. I mean, yeah. th- at the end of the day, no one knows why he left. Not really. Our, our, yes. our, our best guess is super nerd Henry Cavill was kind of tired of how the Witcher folk were not doing right by the story and the character he loves although honestly i bet there's probably a lot of (laughs) again this is the problem with hiring celebrities for your role what if he was just (laughs) like um uh, fourth season of going spending like six months in the wilderness in a white wig rolling over the place Eh, eh. like you can do that when you're that big like people don't want to be down um What's his face on Game of Thrones? Uh, remember who played um, the Hound's mentor, Ian McShane? Um, I, I, yes. I, 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 I remember him having interviews being like, "Oh yeah, they wanted me on there," but I'm like, "I don't want to go on there for like a whole season. Like, eh, I'll do it if I don't yes. have to talk that much." Like, that's a thing. I, I honestly wonder if it's like a really boring reason, but no one knows. It's probably he didn't like the direction yeah. of the story, but. I'm willing to bet there's we'll know more when season three comes out next year, I guess. But speaking of the Witcher, yeah. and there's he 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 certainly left quite a thunderclap <laughs> in his wake. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, so yeah, one of the bigger reports for the Witcher, obviously, we don't know why Henry Cavill left. There were I don't even want to say just rumors. There were insider reports too, that there was conflict behind the scenes yeah. with the direction of the show. And I understand for people who haven't read the books, it might not, you might not really get why, but they, the show has deviated just tremendously from that. And apparently Henry Cavill was the book super fan on staff. Um, but anyway, all that aside, uh, the drama really started with this. When a former writer, Bo DeMaio, who used to work on The Witcher, uh, wrote the Striga episode of The Witcher, he is now nice putting one. together, a, it was a nice one, putting together the writer's room for X-Men 97. And he basically said, the rule is you have to be a fan of the X-Men to work on my show because I was on The Witcher and there were people who actively disliked the books and games and the writer's room. It's bad for morale, blah, blah, blah. Messy. And that is what really started messy the behavior. whole shitstorm with The Witcher. That is when it got messy. Uh, and no one from The Witcher has responded, but now that the floodgates are opening and The Witcher uh, showrunner has responded to that, as well as people on the writing staff, uh, script writing coordinator who says it's a whole mess of lies and accuses that writer <laughs> of making up a bullshit story to cover up that they got fired for being an asshole. Ah. Um, <laughs> so oh, it's getting juicy on the continents. Um, so I'll just read through some of these quotes. Uh, Go nuts. So the first ones come from Lauren Hisrick, who is the showrunner of The Witcher, who I, oh, I poor think needs to be commended for the sheer amount of vitriol she has had to deal with. I think she's handled very, very gracefully. Um, even though understand. she does kick the hornet's nest a little because she she answers people on social media a lot when she could also just not you, answer You're going to understand, audience, like when, when you were involving a group of nerds and the Witcher fans, online <laughs> nerds, as we know, yeah. are very um, prone sometimes to... Uh, strong opinions and um i mean we see this kind of thing all over the place in internet drama land yes when a guy when a writer says like they're not real fans and i was there like that is 
like giving the kind of angry Twitter folk a license. It's hunting season and the and yes. the game is the Witcher writers. Like I have no doubt those people have been flooded into their mentions on Twitter. Oh yeah. With comparisons to you like you're ruining the show, you're a stain on the world, you're the worst yep. thing to happen to to television um since the Kardashians. I got him in there. I got him in there. Um, of course, well you're Hitler. Done. Like you know, that that'll always come up. Um, yeah, and just people just they don't really think, and they just they just avalanche on it. It, it happens all the time, um, especially on Twitter, sure. even before Elon took over. And uh, yes, so some of the responses have been heated, but honestly, it's hard not to get heated when you're being called the Joseph Stalin of television writers. Yeah, I think it's a tricky thing because the the response that these writers have had to deal with, you know, attacking people who write things for television like they are enemies of the state and evildoers is just a weird and it's a weird cultural phenomenon that we've we've come to that point where that is so easily like able it. to be done and yeah i mean it's fun but it's also yeah. maybe not the most societally healthy thing in the world um it also kind of clouds the argument a little bit because i do think there you know i think there are reasons to be critical of the witcher oh, personally yeah. um but at this point like you said this earlier this week that you kind of fall almost on the side of the writers on the show now because at this point they've just been dragged so much that it's like kicking kicking a a dog that's fallen over like i it, had it game of thrones season eight flashbacks is what i had yeah and i think that's fair and i think that's kind of the tipping point they're at right now um mm. especially with uh the spinoff coming later this month and a very uh a big question about how it will be received um but so what lauren hisrick said in response to the uh there are people in the writer's room who didn't love the witcher blah 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 she said i think if you watch any interview i've ever done including those with the witcher author Andrzej edge sapkowski you'll see That's that good, i am quite job. a fan of the books and the games thank you uh hisrick wrote do you believe that when one person states something as a fact that it's mm. there for fact this particular thing is not a fact i love the books I'm shit at the games, but that's not that's me. It's not the games. Um, mm. She's also aware of the fan petition, uh, which we didn't really know before. Those, Someone, yeah. yeah, basically said there are 300,000 people almost who are upset and think you should be fired. And again, she responded very grace gracefully. I didn't need Hopefully. to respond at all. Uh, but. Yeah, so then there's this other writer, uh, Matthew D'Ambrosio. He's actually, I believe, the script coordinator on the series. He's the one who said Odemayo uh, was lying to cover up the fact <laughs> that he was fired for being an asshole, <laughs> that he'd stirred up a bullshit narrative that has tainted The Witcher. He also characterized DeMaio's mm. assertions as a whole mess of lies from an ex-writer of the show said, I played the games before I read the books, and then I got the opportunity of a lifetime to work on the sort of show I've always wanted to be on. And guess what? It's still a dream job. Um, so yeah, <laughs> drama on the continent. Um, it's drama, baby. That's, it's good. That's what's up. <laughs> that's I mean, what's it's up exactly in Witcher the same thing that happens in like Bachelor World or whatever, like The Bachelor World. It's all the same. And it'll die yeah. down. It's fun. Yeah. But we're just going to suck some life sure. out of it while it's here and hope you enjoy it as much as, as much as we do. Yeah. Well, is it, shall we move on into the, the portion I think where we, we can? Yeah. I, I had a good philosophical time, about all the things we're all watching. I was enjoying yeah, that. It, I was laughing. It's fun, my ass it's fun to cover the juicy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and I, I heard you say script coordinator, whatever that does. So I believe that's like the lore person. Who checks Ooh, all the stuff and makes sure it it is a fun job i assume i haven't done it but that's my understanding of what that is is making sure the consistencies are all there across the different scripts so i have no doubt that 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 person this is the funny thing about this though 
that person, Matthew D'Ambrosio, is probably not. If you assume Bo DeMaio wasn't lying, which personally I don't think he was because I've watched The Witcher and it's oh, obvious yeah. that the source material is not first and foremost. I'm on betting the show's that there's a space list. in between what the one guy saying and the other guy saying that yes. where the truth is. And we're never probably going to know. I agree. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe it's better off that way. Sure. Um, but yeah, so Dan and all uh-huh. of you out there. Yeah. What are you watching? All right. Um, I'm watching 1899, that uh, spooky kind of uh, period piece about a haunted, well, a doomed, well, a um, a ship, a cruise line full of mysterious passwords. It's like Agatha Christie meets The Matrix meets um, Titanic. Lost? Can uh, we just say Lost? Lo- we can say Lost. Okay, yeah. Titanic. It's fun. It's very grim. It's very dour. Um, I'm watching the White Lotus at the same time. Okay, and the Not White Lotus—it's it, kind of like a oh, it's very grim. It, it, it's about the character, and it, it's 99 is just sort of—it's about the mystery. It's—it's it's about the mood, and it's cool. I don't really care okay. about the characters that much, but um, yeah, the guy who makes the guy behind Dark is very much into the spookiness and the mood and whatever big driving philosophical things going to drive at. I'm interested. I'm being pulled along mostly by cool. the, just the, um, the dedication to it. White Lotus has been great. I agree with that, Nicole. I'm loving it. Um, White Lotus is, is a lot of fun. Can't beat, uh, those messy, messy, rich folk going into other's throats. And again, Jennifer Coolidge voice. Um, and having a good time. What are you watching? Oh, uh, and Martha's looking forward to seeing the series Kindred. Does that come out today? No, it's next Tuesday, I believe. The 13th. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one too, Martha. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 1899, I haven't tried yet. I had a hard time with Dark. Uh, Just, I guess, Mm. relating to the characters. Like, I didn't give it the full chance, to be to be honest. I need to give it another chance. Um, sure. But it's cool to hear that you've been enjoying 1899, that you've I been liking been. it so I've, much. I've been liking it. Cool. It's a bit of a different watch, um, but I've been liking it. I yeah. love the White Lotus, though. Ooh. The White Lotus is so much fun. It's 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 very juicy. I'm looking forward to the finale. The finale's next Sunday. Who's going to die? People who have watched it, who do you think will die in the White Lotus finale? Because we know two people die. The whole gimmick of that show is like huh. it starts at the very end and you hear like, oh, it's one of the guests died. And then it goes all the way back to the beginning. And then I you see. Figure, and then I you think see. the entire time, like, oh, who is it? Is it Aubrey Plaza? Is Jennifer Coolidge? Is it Theo James? Is it the other guy? Better is it that not one? Be, is it that one? Better not be Jennifer Coolidge. We riot. Jennifer Coolidge. Okay, go on. Well, what are you watching? <laughs> Um, well, Nicole says she started Willow and the first two episodes were okay, but the third was terrible and she's out. Ooh. Nicole, why did you <laughs> hate the third so much? Um, I So I started Willow this week uh, so that I could review it on the site and I am enjoying it. Uh, it's I feel like Willow is kind of the opposite of the Rings of Power where it is very, very obvious that like this is not a show... Lucasfilm was not like, we need a moneymaker. Let's bring back Willow. (laughs) Like this is very obviously a passion project for people who really care about Willow as a property. And it feels like it's coming from the right place in that respect. Like it's a family friendly show. It, it, but somehow manages that without talking down to the audience, which I always appreciate. Nice. Like you could watch it with teens. You could watch it with slightly younger kids. The same as you would with the movie Willow, which I also watched this week. Um, is it good? I've never seen it. It is good. Yeah, I think so. Val Kilmer is hilarious. I didn't realize how funny he was in that movie. Um, but he's totally the comedic relief of the movie and he kills it. Uh, but yeah, so Willow, overall, if you want a kind of a fun, accessible fantasy show, that's got like the trappings, but you don't need to necessarily uh, learn an encyclopedia of lore or worry about incestuous princesses and princes or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> Willow's, it's good for that. Sweet. 
By the way, uh, um, Jay Patel says that 899 has a very satisfying payoff and an unexpected ending. I am in the middle of it, Jay, so Ooh, I'm looking nice. forward to because these kinds of shows are all about like the puzzle falling into place and the ending, right? Yeah. So I'm glad it has a good totally. one. So I'm looking forward to that. Go on, Daniel. What else are you watching? I believe someone cool. asked about the peripheral. Yes. yes. Zach uh, so asked I about did... the peripheral. Zach, I loved the ending of the peripheral. Uh, it's funny that you say, I really liked it, although the ending was a bit confusing. The ending was a little bit confusing, for sure. Um, we, If you find my review on winterscoming.net, I do explain the nice. ending a little bit, because it, <laughs> it did feel a little bit like they sh- shoved in a few different ideas that I wish they'd maybe set up a little bit more leading up to that. Um, but overall, I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if it was my favorite sci-fi show of the year, but it's definitely in my top five for the year. Um, I liked it more than Westworld season four. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, we'll yeah. put it at, at least at that level. Um, I've taken yeah, falls think... down the stairs. I like more than Westworld season four. Um, do you agree <laughs> that this? Not really, but I thought it was a fun line. Do you agree with the commentators that the ending to that? Do you agree that the ending to the peripheral was confusing? Because a couple of our commenters think it was. Uh yes. I I <laughs> this is gonna sound bad. I so I was not super confused, but that's coming from a place of oh. I'm watching these episodes multiple times and reviewing them. Sure, sure, sure. And making very sure I understand what's going on so I can explain it to other people. But I watched it with my wife. And immediately we got into a conversation about what just happened. (laughs) So, yes, I I do think the peripherals ending is probably going to be known as a slightly confusing one. Um, I don't I again, there's an element of like one timeline ended, but they introduced another timeline and it's a cool idea, but they didn't really take the time to seed it very well leading up to it. for me, the place where the peripheral shines is in like the quiet moments and the performances oh. of the actors, um, like the family dialogue between um, Flynn, who's Chloe Grace Moretz, and her right. brother Burton, who's played by Jack Rayner. Uh, their like sibling relationship is one of the most believable I've seen in anything, at least this year, oh, but cool. in general recently. Um, so it really, really nails stuff like that. And like the dialogue between characters. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot to like about the peripheral, the overall nice. story. I, I think the people saying it's confusing. I think that's fair. This is made by the same people who made Westworld and you can tell at times. And now that Westworld's done, now that they sunk it on purpose, at, because Jeff asked them to, they can focus <laughs> on their Amazon shows, yes. like the Peripheral and uh, Fallout. Yeah. By the I way, I am curious um, if it's going to get a second season. We don't know yeah. if it will. I wonder if the Peripheral will show up next week uh, during our show, where we're hoping Richard Willing, where we will be ranking our favorite shows of 2022. That should be a good one. I'm looking forward yes. to that. That'll but, be um, fun. I can't that'll wait. That'll be next week. Do you have anything else you're watching? Should we move on to the yes. final segment? The only other thing I am watching, which I should mention because it's a new thing, is Wednesday. Um, oh, yeah. so oh, how I, is it? How are you have, liking it? I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, it's it's definitely another one of those where it's like, I, I'm i not taking it super seriously. It's not that kind of show where, you know, yeah. you bring the rigor to watch Wednesday. It's like, it's meant to be a fun show. It's kind of geared toward a teenage audience a little bit because Wednesday's right. going to this spooky boarding YA, school. Um, if you will. It is definitely YA, but I think if you enjoyed the Tim Burton Adams family movies, this feels like it really them. honors the who made them. Not Tim Burton. Some a guy who is not Tim Burton. He's not involved in those at all. You would think he was, really? but he was not. Really? Yeah. Completely different guy. Tim Burton's not involved in Adams okay. movies in the 90s at all zero i was surprised what? too is that true yeah. is that a true That's thing 100% you just said true it's 100 true all right all right. Look it up, all, but... right all right all right i'm I think intrigued uh, i'm trying to right now i can't do it uh what i will say... 
Barry Sodenfeld. Barry Sodenfeld. Right. But okay, a, uh, well, a um, common mistake, and I want to get it out of there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that because I always assumed it was him. Yeah, Barry Sodenfeld. There you go. It's just like Nightmare Before Christmas, which is labeled as Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, well, even though at he least really... he was involved in that one. Like he had all the ideas. He wasn't <laughs> involved true. in the Adams family <laughs> at all. Nightmare Before Christmas is yes, his baby. Yes, he doesn't know how to do stop true. motion. Okay, so take Tim Burton out of the equation. The 90s Adam family movies, if you enjoyed those. <laughs> Wednesday feels like it it nods to them in really fun ways. Christina Ricci is in Wednesday. Yeah, uh, yeah. She played Wednesday in the Adams Family movies. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a fun show. Uh, enjoying it a lot. I'm only a few episodes in, so I need to finish. Spooky Hogwarts Zach is accurate, Spooky Hogwarts, Zach. Yes. And the question asked about, accurate. Uh, about uh, Flanagan and Macy going to Amazon to possibly make Dark Tower. I will say really, really fast before we get to the end. There's a report going around today that uh, Mike Flanagan, the guy who makes the haunting series on Netflix, is going to make Dark Tower for Amazon. I don't think that's what the news actually said. It said like he has the rights and he could make it. But I don't know if oh, it's not he? like greenlit yet. No, so, no. Dark Tower is confused because like everyone was talking today about like they're making the Dark Tower. And I'm like, I'm, no, no, they're not. <laughs> like It's like he'd no. like to. Yeah, I'd Flanagan like has too. been talking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Flanagan has really been putting his name out there as I want to adapt the Dark Tower. I don't know about the rights thing. I haven't read the article, but I do know that it's not like like you said, it's not greenlit. There is not a Dark Tower show currently being made at Amazon. But all but the headlines whether it could go that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up happening, though, especially if Flanagan well, or Amazon has rights to it. But I, again, power, I need to we'll read see about how that. much appetite there is over at Amazon for big uh, expensive fantasy dramas. I feel like the bubble's bursting. I feel like it's bursting, Dan. This, this was the year of big expensive fantasy shows. And I do think the wave is cresting a little bit because some studios have maybe not recouped their monies as much as they wish they did. Bubbles bursting, wave is cresting, last call at the bar, party's ending, put a last song in the jukebox, you can't, gotta go home, you can't have to go home, you can't stay here, that wow. kind of thing. Anyway, should we uh, do the witness lightning round and wrap this puppy up? Mixed metaphor? Yeah, why don't we do that? Wait, stall for it. me. Just two seconds. I'm okay, looking. Sure. I'm looking at the Dark Tower, Dan. Okay. Um, when I didn't, I'll admit I didn't like do a deep, deep, deep dive. But I looked at the interview and it said like he has a great idea for it, but it didn't like say we're gonna do it, which is the impression that I was getting from a lot of the headlines. Thank you, Nicole. Um, I was thinking about well, well I was thinking about the metaphors while Daniel was talking. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's uh, happening yet. Okay. Okay. You, you know the answer. Yes. So the answer is that um, the answer is that they have written a pilot and an outline for how they would do the Dark Tower um, and that they do, 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 do it. I don't see Flanagan and Macy who carved the rights to the Dark Tower out of their Netflix and Amazon Studios overall deal. Mm. Um so it seems like they <laughs> may Netflix have the rights to do it. Yeah. So it seems like they may have the right to adapt it. They might've gotten that right from Stephen King. Cause they have made King sure. movies before like Dr. Sleep but and Gerald's it's game. It's one thing to have um, the rights and another, and, and, and to have like an outline, like we want to do this. Another thing to say like, Hey Jeff, will you give us $200 million to put Stephen King's metatextual epic Western meat fantasy on the screen? And that yes. is a crucial step that this hasn't happened so far as I can tell yet. Yeah. So basically uh, they've written a pilot for it. They have an idea of how it would go. Like Christian said for like five seasons and two movies, so that's the grand plan for the dark tower. They don't have a studio Great. making it yet. It is what it looks like to me looking at this article right now. Um, but that could change. We'll see. Well, Dark Tower has had a um, 
a not an easy run of getting to the screen I in a faithful FX form. was going to make it for a while and then they dumped it. So just until more, I'm going to just not go hog wild on it quite yet. Yeah. Let's do this exactly. lightning round thing because we're going long. Let's do it. There's My bad. tacos to eat. Okay. No, it's all good. Oh, hell yeah. We can't hold up taco night. All right. I'm going to ask you first. Are you go ready? Ahead. And Richard, are you ready with the buzzer? <laughs> not ready. We'll see. We'll see. Ready. There it is. All right. So Bong Joon-ho will direct Robert Pattinson in a new sci-fi film called Mickey 17. Ah, this is actually cool. I mean, I love Bong Joon-ho, you know, um, uh, Parasite, uh, uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, he's, cool. he's just exploded. as like the cool new yeah. sci-fi guy. Um, I'll watch this. Robert Pattinson having a great time, too, as the Batman coming back from out of yeah. the wilderness after he was in Twilight. I will totally watch that. Love it. Give it to me. Yeah. Want it now. I'll see. All right. Daniel. Uh, Kate Dickey, yes. who played Lysa Aaron in Game of Thrones, the adult breastfeeder, has joined the cast of Loki <laughs> season two as a villain. Eh? You into that? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kate Dickey's great. She's great at being unnerving, yeah, uncomfortable. villainous characters. Yeah, she was also in The Witch, and she was an Ooh. uncomfortable uh, parent in that, too. I, sh- I'm i sure she'll be great. Uh, I love that they got her for Loki. Can't wait to see her in it. Yeah, cool. High quality. We are um, being So excellent. speaking of Game of Thrones uh, alumni, who are now going to be in other things, uh, a trailer was just released for Transformers Rise of the Beasts, the, the 53rd beasts. Transformers movie. That apparently they're still making. Peter Dinklage <laughs> is going to voice the villain Scourge in the movie. You ex- are you going to go see it now to see Peter Dinklage? No. Um, I hope Peter Dinklage uh-huh. enjoys the check they cut him. That's about it. You know, I'm being glib. Maybe yeah. he's really passionate about it. It feels like a paycheck move to me. The movies are like they're. I'm sure they're okay. I saw the first one. I think that was about it. That was years ago. <laughs> Um, if you like Transformers, I, the hope, best I, one. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Scourge. Nice. Well played. That was too mean. Oh, well. Um, this is a really interesting one. Eh. Reportedly, Marvel, after Phase yes. 4 has been a bit hit and miss, is reorienting to focus on quality over quantity for the next two phases, Phases 5 and 6, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, thank the heavens. (laughs) This is my immediate gut reaction to that, because I do think the quality strained a little bit in phase four more than any previous phase. Um, So that's good. It does make me a little nervous because it really does feel like Marvel just kind of had a loose plan for where to go after the Infinity Saga. And they're kind of patchwork fixing it as they go along. But I Mm. hope it turns out well. Got a little hubristic Um, there for a second. A little bit. They were like, we can make all the things and our peon fans will watch them. And you monkeys will dance um, for us, won't you? You did it before. Them. Okay, go on. Yes. Yes, we will. You and Mickey Mouse. Okay. Mm. So, speaking of uh, changes that may be happening, uh, HBO Max <laughs> is reportedly considering rebranding as just Max. What's the deal with that, Dan? Just Max. I like it. I mean, uh, because they're going to combine it with Discovery Plus, which has all these kind of like reality shows. And they don't think that the HBO brand attached to like, you know, like House Hunters, teeny houses in Costa Rica is like kind of quality enough. So they're just going to call it maybe it's called like Max, just Max. I think it's kind of dorky and bold and fun. I like it. Sure. Go ahead. Let's call it Max. Yeah, we've been saying it so much since we read that story that I feel like yeah, it's it's gonna stick. It'll be fine. I I Rex. do think it's hilarious that it's like uh, let's cover the prestige of our brand and change the name. Yeah, let's lower it. All right, um, Daniel Mark Strong will play the Emperor of the Damn Universe in the Dune prequel HBO Max or just Max series Dune: The Sisterhood. Nice. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, Mark Strong, I can't think of what I've seen him in recently off the top of my head, but he's great. He's got a good imposing good, aspect. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I think he'll be solid <laughs> as the emperor of the damn universe. 
Uh, and Dune the Sisterhood is getting a pretty stacked cast. So I'm it very is. curious to see how it turns out. On Max. Coming to Max this All winter. Right. Coming to Max. Max out your entertainment with Max. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Avatar, this is this is not new news, but it's being talked about recently. I, I've never heard so, of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a long-standing feud, but one of the animators for Avatar The Last Airbender reflected recently uh, with the coming out of Avatar The Way of Water by James Cameron, reflected on how the cartoon had to change its name from Avatar to Avatar The Last Airbender, adding The Last Airbender because James Cameron had the rights to Avatar Years Even before though the movie came out, the last Airbender came out in like 2008, and Avatar yes. came out, I, I think, after, and they still had to change the name. So I call nonsense on that because the last Airbender better than Avatar, at least like the show versus the movie. I'd rather see the show. So I think to be awarded That's everything, and they, sh- and they changed it to Blue Blue People Moon, which they called Avatar. No. <laughs> Yeah, Cameron has a he was he talked about this recently. He has drawings from when he was like 17 of some of the concept art for Avatar. So this is well, like, this I'm has been sure his passion the project. Like, made for the his last life. airbender were thinking about doing an animated show loosely inspired by East Asian culture since they were kids just, too. So what are you gonna look at? Well, they well, look, I drew this blue guy when I was seven in my notebook in elementary school, so I got a copyright on it. Oh go to they, hell. They should have filed copyright. <laughs> they should have trademarked it. All right, all right, all right. Oh, wait, you read this one. Yeah, that's our okay. last one. It's the last one. Um, Daniel. William Gibson's book, yes. a Neuromancer, a highly influential book, is being developed as a show for Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, good news for the peripheral fans. If you uh, enjoyed that, that is also based on a William Gibson book. Neuromancer mm-hmm. is like the William Gibson book. If you're going to read just one of his books, that's the one you should read. Um, it, extremely influential, one of the original cyberpunk books in the genre. And yeah, Apple TV Plus is making it, and I hope it's good. Me too. Um, all right, uh, we're running a little long, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Sorry we were late. Uh, next week, we will be yep. at our normal time, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winners Coming YouTube page, Winners Coming Facebook page. We're hopefully going to do our year-end wrap-up, which I'm looking forward to quite a bit. Yes. Um, we're also in podcast form, uh, wherever they're available, be it iTunes, Google Play, elsewhere this has been take the black we're back next week uh thanks for watching and i once um drew a boat in the margin of my fourth grade notebook so i guess i get royalties for titanic this podcast is brought to you by fansider join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between 